Hallelujah. We're, we're on a theme that God has set us on because it's all about the kingdom of God. Not in, there's a lot of different forms of the gospel right now. There's, the gospel has been kind of changed and altered, and it isn't the pure biblical spiritual gospel that was once delivered to the saints. It's important that we define the gospel as it should be biblically. Uh, it's not just the good news that you can be healed, although that's a wonderful news and a provision is made through the gospel. But that's not the primary reason for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because whether you're healed or not, and I pray that you will be as a Christian, uh, we have that opportunity. But the thing is, eventually, a day is going to come, if Jesus tarries, this body is going to wear out. Some of us is wearing thin already. We know it's going to wear out. As you age, and the younger people that are under 70, I call anyone under 70 younger now. Everybody under 70 wave at me, young whimpersnappers. What, what did they say about uh, when, they, when we had uh, Reagan was president and he was 70, I think, something, and, and uh, they asked George Burns, uh, could he, uh, what did he think about having a president, you know, in his mid-70s? Could he think straight? Could he rationalize? Could he make decisions properly? He said, what do you think of having a president uh, up in their 70s? And, of course, George Burns was uh, in his 90s, uh, so he said, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. So I'm looking forward, amen, to some of you turning 70 when I'm in my 90s and telling you you're just a kid when you start complaining about all those uh, snap, crackle, and pops you hear in the morning and discover it's not Rice Krispies, it's your bones when you get out of bed, amen? But God is good, and He has a special grace for us as we age. So I could, uh, I, could, uh, I could preach a message in a nursing home today. Not that I'm ready for one, but uh, I, I pray I won't be. I pray I'll die in the pulpit preaching under the anointing and, and just, Lord, say, all right, that's enough. Now you can retire. My grandson used to be a video game aficionado. He loved video games. You put a controller in his hand and his, uh, my granddaughter, which was about Three years older than him, uh, my, my, my mother used to laugh at them because she didn't understand that his character had to die in the game before he would let his sister take her turn. So she, she heard, his, heard this argument between them, and, and he was saying, my grandson was saying, he said, he said, let me alone, let me alone now. And she said, but I want to play, but I want to play, but I want to play. When can I play? And he said, when I'm dead. <laughs> Talking about his character, not himself. But my mother thought that was so funny that, you know, when I die, then you can play video games. But until then, it's mine. Friend of mine, the gospel as it's being preached today is not the gospel that God is sending in many circles to the world. Jesus taught when this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, not just good news that God loves you, He's going to take care of you, put you over, heal you, and make you rich, but this gospel of the kingdom. 
the gospel of the what is the good news of the kingdom? The good news of the kingdom is the king is coming. And the kingdom of God is going to rule and reign on this earth. Heaven is not going to remain up there. When the king comes down here, the city's coming. So if you think you're going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp, amen. Actually, that doesn't sound all that exciting to me. To just sit on a cloud and strum a harp throughout all eternity. Praising the Lord with that harp. Now, I get excited about that. But that the city is coming down. John said, I saw the holy city coming down. Can you say amen? It's coming down. And God's going to have to make room for it down here with all the people and the city coming down. Amen. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and there won't be a sea anymore. Amen. I saw the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem coming down, and, and the city was so uh, decorated. It was like a bride uh, decorated for the groom uh, to, the, to the maximum. Praise God. I saw it coming down unto the earth. Jesus is coming back again. He's coming to rule and to reign. That's why when he comes, he's coming on a white horse. He's not riding a donkey. To show his humility and his submission to his father's will. He will not hold his peace like he did in Pilate's hall. As a lamb dumb before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. They better be glad that he did not open his mouth. Because when Peter tried to defend him, when they came to take him to what would inevitably lead to the cross, he drew his sword, he swung it at the first guard that came. And... The guy dodged, and he sideswiped his head and cut his ear off, and the ear fell to the ground. And Jesus said, if my kingdom, say it with me, my kingdom, if my kingdom was come already, and it was of this world already, if my kingdom had come into this world like it's going to come already, I would call. Legions of angels. It's just really an innumerable. They use a number, but it means innumerable. He is called. You know what Jesus is called in the Old Testament? He's called the captain of the Lord's hosts. The Lord of hosts. And that means the commander-in-chief of heaven's armies. Everybody say the commander-in-chief of heaven's armies. He said, Peter, you put that sword up. I don't need you to defend me from what I am purposed to do. And when they came to get him, oh, by the way, and to show his mercy, he picked the ear up. And the first supernatural plastic surgery, amen, occurred. Because he, he didn't use super glue either. It, when he put it on his head, amen, it knit right back. The bleeding stopped. You know, it would be awful hard for me to drag him away after that. 
after I saw that. I tell you, things were happening so supernatural and powerful and profound. That centurion standing at the foot of the cross looked up at the man that looked like he was weak. He was last breath was going out of him. He's turning pale. The, the, the circulation is stopping. The heart is sluggish and can barely move the blood around. He's crying out uh, for, I thirst. It looks like he's so helpless and hopeless and yet the confirmation of God was so strong because the earth was shaking. The sun was, was eclipsing. Amen. Oh, he said, surely, surely. This was the son of God. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When his kingdom comes, when his kingdom comes, You see, the message of the gospel is that a king has come to rule and to reign. And today there's a gospel of easy believism. It doesn't start out with the lordship of Jesus. There are so many people in church that don't follow Christ when they leave. They sing in choirs. They teach in classes. They preach in pulpits. But they don't follow Christ. I don't say this to brag on me, but to brag on him. When I went to the, I don't go anymore, don't look at me now. For heaven's sakes, I'm 70. I don't need to be buff anymore. I just need to be able to function. (laughs) Amen. But I went to the power shop gym. In Plant City for about three years. The owner of the gym told my wife, No one here but me knows that your husband is a minister. They just think he's a good Christian man. I would rather have that testimony than have a big sign on my car saying, Clergy. Telling people what a powerful man of God I am. Because there's a lot of people got all those other things, but they don't have a testimony from the world that they interact with of just being a good follower of Jesus and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, not just the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? The character of Jesus Christ is number one before the fruit of So character comes before charismata. And the message we're hearing today, it's such an easy belief. It doesn't require repentance. It doesn't require changing masters. It doesn't bring a change in the heart. It doesn't bring a change in the life because it's not the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is that Jesus can come to live in us here and now. We don't have to wait for Him to come to the earth to rule and reign. He can come to us and rule and reign now. It's part of the pattern prayer, isn't it? Thy kingdom come. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. We welcome. We embrace. We want and desire Him To rule over us. Because until he rules over us. See you've got to serve somebody. 
Amen. My brother here knows that song. We go back far enough to know the lyrics to it. Amen. You may be a, you may, you may own tanks. You might even own banks. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you gotta serve somebody. Can you say amen? Make no mistake about it. Everybody is serving somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And you can't serve two masters. I said on the radio broadcast talking about upstream Christians in a downstream world, you can't love the world and like Jesus. He won't allow the middle ground of, I, I like Jesus, but I love my sins and I love, the, I love the approval of the world and the indulgence of my flesh. No. He says you can't serve two masters, for you will love one and hate the other, or you will hate one and love the other. You can't do it. We're told today to just get easy beliefs. See, it's not the gospel of the kingdom Because if the kingdom comes in you, when does it come in? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When you bow to Him, surrender to Him. Where a king reigns in undisputed authority. When you do not dispute His authority. Where the Word of God is something that not just impacts you, titillates your ears in church, but it's something that affects and impacts your life when you go out into the world. When you revere it and you obey it, amen, because He's your Lord. When your flesh wants something that He forbids and you choose to crucify your flesh in order to obey Him. But there's churches all over. There's alternatives to the gospel of the kingdom. But it's that gospel that God has sent. It's that gospel that God's going to honor. It's that gospel that will change your life. It's that gospel that will bring you true salvation. You know what they do? They invite people forward. Do you believe? They quiz them. Do you believe that, that God raised Jesus from the dead? Do you confess your sin? Yes, yes, yes. Here's your free ticket to heaven. Here's your free ticket to heaven. You don't have to change masters. The Bible said before you came to Christ, you were of your father, the devil. Not only do you change masters, you change fathers. Can you say, man? That's why the Bible forbids the unequal yoking of a believer and an unbeliever. The Bible forbids it. Don't ask me for permission. I can't give it to you. But I love him and I'm going to change him. But I love her and I'm going to change her. If God don't change her, you're not going to change her. And if a son of God marries a daughter of the devil, he's going to have trouble with his father-in-law. Can you say amen? Amen. There's, no, you can't become one when, the, when these two, you're polarized. You, you can't serve God and mammon. And you can't serve, eat at the table of devils and at the table of God. Of demons, literally. He said, listen, you, you understand the world is under the control of demonic forces under the devil. You can't love it and love me. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
So we've compromised now. We've got a gospel that embraces the world, that brings all the priorities of the world into the life of the Christian. And, and it's, it's held back a true revival in America. It's in Africa now. They went down into Africa and told them if they would give, they, God would make them all millionaires. And it's laughable because when they left with their bushel baskets of money on their private jet, see, that's the difference in a pastor and an evangelist. Evangelist can do anything he wants and then he's out of town. Amen. And he don't have to answer. And he doesn't have to live with the people and see what's really going on. There was a prophetic word, so-called, that everyone that gives so much was going to become a millionaire. And a journalist in Africa went back and he quizzed everybody that was at that meeting that he could. He tried to find anybody that got rich after that meeting to come, please, and let me know. He just wanted a verification. Or did someone come down to fleece the flock? One preacher was so into that, he said, the sheep need fleecing. If you don't fleece them, he said, they're, they're going to get too much wool. And they'll fall over in the water and drown. It's, it's my job to fleece the flock. And I thought, oh, Lord, help us. This is not the gospel of the kingdom of God. God will bless you. Make no mistake about it. God wants to bless you. But you know how to get the blessing? is to put no value on the blessing, but put the value on the king and the kingdom. For the Bible said, if any man seek the king, say it with me, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? His rule in your life. Hallelujah. And his righteousness. You want to be right with God when you want his rule in your life more than anything the world could offer you. But he said, you're not going to do without if you do that. If you'll seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things that the Gentiles seek, they shall be added unto you. Not because you seek after them, but because you seek after Him. Can you say amen? He said, look, I can take care of you. I will take care of you. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin, but Solomon in all his glory, not clothed as one of these. The fowls of the air, they don't worry themselves sick over where their next meal is coming from. God provides for them. And if God provides for them, God's going to provide for you. And you don't have to compromise your faith for him to provide for you. In fact, it's keeping the faith that causes him to provide for you. There are people right now that are going to be in trouble soon because they are, they, are, they are not in God's house. They are not under God's word. They're not growing with God's people. Did you see our sign? Come and, come and worship with us. Come and learn with us. And come and grow with us. And they think they can't make it. They can't make it. God can't take care of them. They've got to make concessions to the world. They can't put the kingdom first. If I didn't put the kingdom first, by putting the king first in my life, I wouldn't be preaching the gospel today. I'd be like so many people with a call on their life, but not a king over their life yet. A call is not enough. You've got to bow to the Lord. Can you say man? He's looking for servant-hearted people that will put the kingdom first. I heard a lady preacher... The one that uh, 
because I do listen to preachers. I like to hear what they got to say until they say things that's unbiblical and it's wrong. And she was on one of the big television networks, Christian television networks. And there was some scripture in Psalm 91 about God's blessings. And 90, Psalm 91, 5 or something. I don't know if that was it. But it was somewhere in Psalm 91 has got a lot of blessings in it. And she said for $91.05. And I'm thinking, who is listening to this? Who is putting up with this? We're laughing because you don't have to be a scholar of Scripture to know something is wrong here. You can't equate a, a chapter and verse. Not some, I thought, man, some of the greatest blessings in the Bible is in Psalm 1, but you could get that one for a dollar. Amen. Why go over to Psalm 91? Just go to Psalm 1. Would you like to hear Psalm 1? Blessed. It starts out with blessed. Blessed. Only costs $1 if you're going to pay for the chapter and verse to get the blessing. Blessed. You know what blessed means? Happy. To be envied. Blessed is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walketh in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river that ceases not from yielding his fruit, and whatever he puts his hand to shall prosper. Send in one dollar. One dollar. No. No. Send in $91.50. Whatever that $91.50 cost you, you could have got for a dollar if you read the first psalm. It's covered under that. (laughs) Fruitfulness, blessing, prosperity. It's all in Psalm 1. But you can't... And I just, when I see that stuff, I just go, ew. E-W, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, this is not the gospel of the kingdom of God. There are preachers today in, the, in this emerging church movement that are on record, proud of it. My people come in, they're beat down, they're beleaguered, they're oppressed. And I don't talk about sin. I just say good things, smooth words to them. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom demands a decision. Who are you going to serve? Because you've got to serve somebody. You cannot do what is being offered out there today. You cannot serve two masters. This is a love-hate thing. For you will love one and hate the other. Or you will hate one and love the other. You can't love one and like the other. Jesus said that's a middle ground and that's where the devil wants you. I love the world, but I like Jesus. He said, no, you don't. Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is what? It is not in him. 
Because all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he, here's that kingdom rule. Here's that kingdom rule. Here's that kingdom rule. But he that does the will of God abides forever. That's not sinless perfection, but it's being perfectly committed in our heart to obey God. We will struggle with our weak flesh, but we should never struggle with His Lordship, His right to rule. There was a sign that Pilate, who knew this man, wasn't deserving of the death he was dying. And the issue that they wanted him killed for, what was the deal? He says he's king of the Jews. Wait till Caesar hears that. Wait till Caesar hears about this. And he was through political pressure, they manipulated Pilate into doing something so reprehensible to him. He said, I find no fault in this man. And when he saw their bloodlust to want him killed, and what, what rose up inside of them? We will not have this man rule over us. It was his kingdom rule they were rejecting. And yet Pilate, still trying to absolve himself of some of that responsibility for his blood, washed his hands in water to say, I, I didn't want this to happen. I find no fault in him. Someone said that he, he was like a, someone with, what is it, the, the, that you're com compulsive, that he washed his hands for the rest of his life trying to get the blood of Christ off of them. Not because he literally touched him, but because he was party to his crucifixion. But you know what? He had a sign put on the cross, nailed to it, because he knew why they were killing him. Amen. And he knew he was a righteous man. And he's, he had a sign tacked to the top of that cross, King of the Jews. And they would have tore it off if they could, but he put guards around that cross. He's still trying to absolve himself. But what was the issue? The rule of Christ. What is the issue right now? The rule of God. Amen. We're in a planet in total rebellion against God. That's why you can't love the world because the world hates him. The world system hates him. They hate him. They hate the gospel. They're so hypersensitive to Christmas because the message of the gospel of Christ coming is in that Christmas Christ mass Christmas one school got so sensitive they wouldn't allow their students to wear green and red together because those colors were Christmas colors when you're so afraid of this, this Jew that you don't believe in, this vagabond Jew, and you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't believe he was God incarnate. What's the big deal? You know why the world fears him and hates him? Because he is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. He is coming back to rule and reign. They will bow and confess his lordship. Not because they chose to, but because when he comes, he's not coming on a donkey. They're not going to take him to a cross. They're not going to whip him. They're not going to do that anymore. He's coming on a white horse, the symbol of a conquering king. He's coming with the armies of heaven. 
And if you're thinking angels, think again. Because the armies that followed him were clothed in white linen, clean and white. Angels don't have to be sanctified. They've never sinned. The ones that stayed in heaven and followed Jesus. Can you say amen? But the Bible did say in Revelation that white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Keeping my records bright, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Praise God. There's something called sanctification. Cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible said the Lord God sanctify you. Spirit, soul, and body. Sanctify you holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. That you might be holy. H-O-L-Y. Someone said, and I believe it was Brother Hodges. In his gems of wisdom, he, he loved this statement. He said, the greatest thing God can do is take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and put him back in the midst of that unholy world for a witness and keep him holy. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And another one was, sounds like him, don't it? The Son of God became the Son of Man that he might make the sons of men the sons of God. Hallelujah. There was a day the message of holiness was embraced because the gospel of the kingdom involves the rule of the king in your life. You couldn't receive Jesus as Savior and bicker and barter to what degree he was going to have influence in your life whether or not you would obey him or not. Obedience is the mark of that change. We're not saved by works, but works verify the change has come and the salvation is real. Don't confuse a heart to obey with sinless, complete sinlessness. If we say we have no sin, what happens? We're lying. We're disingenuous. We're dishonest. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us from all iniquity that created and produced it in the first place. God is in the cleaning business. Hallelujah. Now you're clean. You prayed it in the prayer today. Now you're clean through what? The word that I've spoken unto you. In some of these services, we're going to hit you like a ton of bricks. It's there to clean you. Amen. Holy Ghost soap. To go, the, how does he get the church ready for his coming? The washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. And what did he say in John 15? He said, Now you're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. When he's the Lord of your life, you take it to heart. You apply it to your life. If your flesh gets in the way, you put the flesh on the cross so you can obey him. But if you live in abject, unrepentant disobedience, you do not belong to Christ. Can I give you a scripture? First John said, he that committeth sin. Any sin? No. This means someone, the actual word committeth is in the continual sense. It means he that lives in sin unconvicted, unconcerned, and unrepentant. He that, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's the way we behave now. He that committeth sin. 
You work with people. I've worked with people. They went down and got their ticket at 12 years old. They've lived for the devil ever since. They never got saved. They ne- this is not the gospel of the kingdom of God. Because when His kingdom comes, He has the primary influence in your life. Not Satan. Not self. In order to follow Him, you have to receive His kingdom rule. If any man would be my disciple, we're not talking about church membership. You've got to be more committed to be a Boy Scout. It takes more commitment to be in some club. But when it comes to Jesus, we want it both ways. And you say, you can't have it both ways. This is not this watered-down, materialistic gospel we have today. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And when this gospel of the kingdom of God is preached into all the world, this gospel, not that gospel, all of it isn't gospel. When this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world for a witness, everybody's not going to come to Jesus. The whole world is not going to get saved. Jesus said the majority of people are going to hell. That's his words. He knows the sounds of that place. He said there's wailing, there's weeping, and there's gnashing of teeth. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. No one can appreciate going to heaven until you truly appreciate escaping hell. Amen? I don't, I don't know what the devil tempts you with, but I know he knows your spots and your areas. He knows where you're willing to compromise, and that's the lure he's going to use. We went out fishing, me and two more preachers. Guess we didn't have much faith. We got out there in a pontoon boat, and, and we saw 36 alligators, but not one fish. We had, we had these lures that were surefire. Fish sees that. He can't resist it. Well, they did. <laughs> they did. They resisted very well. We stayed out there for four hours. We got sunburnt, skeeter bit, but didn't catch nothing. We were ready to go home. Well, yeah, I didn't hold my mouth around her. No, we passed a boat. We passed a boat that had some fish. And we said, what kind of lure are you using? I said, lure? We ain't using no lure. They ain't about no lure today. They're buying live bait. Oh, live bait. That's what they like. So next time. I'm going to take me some worms. I'm going to take me some minnows. Amen. They want, they want something that's wiggling and squiggle. I mean, it'll wiggle and squiggle, but, you know, fish are wise enough. Because of guys like you. <laughs> they said, there he comes again. <laughs> Boy, that looks good. You know what looks good to someone, to everyone in this room? Something is going to be dangled before you. And it's going to be so appetizing to your flesh and mine. Let no man say that he's tempted of God. 
For God, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted. Say it with me. Every man is tempted. When does it occur? When he's led away of his own lust, his own fleshly appetites. When he's led away of his own lust and enticed. And then when it said, if we give in to it, sin is conceived. It's like a conception occurs. If we don't resist it at that level, it's like a conception occurs spiritually. And when it's finished, it still leads to death. The soul that sins, it'll surely die. Be sure our sins will find us out. There's no hiding it from God. And the repercussions of it will touch our life in some way or another. Can we live sin-free? Sin? No, but we cannot let sin reign. See, this is all about who's ruling, who's reigning, who is our king. And the Bible said in Romans six sixteen. Whoever you yield, whoever you bow to, whoever you give in to, whoever you yield, your members, your body, servants to obey. It's a, it's a weak word, servant. The Greek is stronger. It's slave. It's slave. Sin, say it with me. Sin enslaves. It enslaves. If we embrace it, it will enslave you. Right now, we have a, an addiction problem. Through all kinds of drugs, prescription and otherwise, it is a big issue in America right now. Years ago, we tried to stop the illicit drugs, not the prescription kind, but the illicit drug abuse in America that was hurting so many families and people and taking so many lives and putting so many people in jail. And we declared a war on drugs and we had a, war, a, a czar that was going to take out the Colombian drug pens and it failed. And one of the big, major drug dealers, by the way, more, as much people are being killed in Mexico in drug wars than there is in wars that we have fought. Thousands die per month across the border in drug wars. It's all about all the money. But listen to what this one drug lord said. He said, if you want to stop drug abuse in America, don't send armies and planes and, to try to kill all of us. He said, if there wasn't a demand, if there wasn't such a demand for drugs, We'd find somewhere else to sell them. What are you doing? What have you spent to try to educate? See, we think we can educate the brain and change everything. No, it's still the gospel. It's still the gospel of the kingdom. It's still the rule of Jesus instead of the rule of Satan that will change this. He said, as long as... Why, 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 why is it that so many Americans want, desire, willing to do what they're willing to do to buy these drugs. What are you doing about that? And they could not answer them. I remember when Teen Challenge opened up in Tampa years ago. My uncle actually had lunch with David Wilkerson in New York City at one point in time as a pastor. 
He started Teen Challenge and people began to come to Christ and accept Him as their Lord and Savior. And the moment they did, God set them free from addiction, the spirit of addiction. We've talked about it, Terry, in the book of Revelation. Babylon neither repented her of her sorceries. And you think of witchcraft and all of that stuff, but the word sorcery in the Greek in the book of Revelation meant pharmakos. Where do you get your medicine from? A pharmacy. Was it anti-medicine? No. It's talking about the drugs that enslave you. The drugs that weaken your mental capacity. How many people under the influence of alcohol, oh, make no mistake about it, don't leave alcohol out of the mix. Don't leave alcohol out of the mix and the thousands that are killed every year. But the government's getting taxed off of alcohol, so they're not going to be hard on it like there are on some other things. By the way, they're all drinking to be sociable, and they're not going to mess with their pet sins. Remember when you told me you got saved? used to be in that bar no they ain't gonna bother them no they'd get me and you if it was us out there aren't you glad God saved us aren't you glad God delivered us everybody looking for loopholes in the word we need to quit looking for loopholes and let Jesus be the Lord can you say man you know what addiction will do I've seen it my son almost died on three different occasions from alcohol poisoning he was so close to death. They didn't know if they could, they could help him. He was that far gone. And then out of the depression, because it promises you that some, some numbing of the pain of what really needs to be healed in your life. He, well, he, he got suicidal and was, wanted to take his life because of the guilt and the shame and the pain. And they put him in the mental ward. This was years ago that he was put in a mental ward for three weeks. And they finally let him out. And of course he went back to the only thing he knew to help him. He went back to the alcohol. That's my son. So when people ask me, is it okay if I do this? No, it's never going to be okay. Why are you a teetotaler? Because you, if you can do it, somebody else says, I can do it. And they might get hooked on it. You might be able to put it back down. But there's, my son got hooked on alcohol playing with a Christian band. They introduced him. And they were able to drink and practice and go their way didn't want anybody to tell them that that they needed to be more committed to Christ and if it's hurting their testimony or hurting somebody else they ought to give it up there's a lot of alternatives to beer and whiskey and wine and gin a little leaven leaven at the lump but we're in a permissive society we're in a permissive church age. After work, they would come and quiz me. Most people wanted to find out what can I do and still be a Christian. What? A... Amen. How far can I push the envelope? Well, now we got preachers saying there is no envelope. There is no line. It's either, it's either blurred or gone. There is a line. You cannot serve. True masters. Oh, the greatest thing you can do to be set free and to live for Jesus is to make a clean break with the world. 
Amen. Make a clean break with it. Don't barter. Don't mess. Don't touch not the unclean thing. I have cleansed you. Set you apart. Unto God. Don't go back. Don't be like the dog. He throws up. And what does he do? He turns around and eats what he just threw up. I don't know about you. I got better sense than that. If I threw it up, it disagreed with me. And I know eating it after I throw up would disagree with me. I don't have a big problem with going back to what God delivered me from in that respect. That's why Paul said the things I once kind of gained, thought that I really needed to be fulfilled and happy in life, the things I once kind of gained, I count them now as but done, that I might know Jesus and win Him. By the way, when the sins that you are drawn to, when you begin to reevaluate them and count them as done, you won't have as much problem pushing back. There are people in here with pet sins. Every time I preach on that three-letter word, if I said the four-letter word, everybody would go home, did you hear what the preacher said? He got, he got so into the message, and he was so upset and angry today, he said a four-letter word in church. One preacher actually said it. His church was a dead church. Nobody ever came to Jesus. He messed up and said a four-letter word. He said, all these people in our city are going to hell, and most of you don't give a... And he said the four-letter word. And everybody went, whoa. And he shouldn't have said it. But suddenly they were attentive. And I'm not going to do that to get attention because I don't want God to whoop me and I don't want that kind of attention. And he said, and what's more, most of you are more upset over the word I said than the souls of all of these lost people that are going to be lost and damned forever. And he was dead right and dead on. It's the gospel of the kingdom that's going to be preached to the world. Not the gospel of self-indulgence. Not the gospel that is bringing a pluralism and a duality. You can't serve God and mammon. You can serve God with mammon, but not God and mammon. And mammon, as I said on the radio broadcast, is not just money. It's the first time money has been given a title, and it means the self-indulgence. It means the things that the flesh can indulge in that money can buy. It feeds pride. We've got a president that's used to being bowed and scraped to because he's a billionaire. And he's in the White House. Ain't nobody bowing and scraping. he got a problem. He's going to have to work on it. We need to pray for the whole outfit. They're all messed up. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. You understand no political party is going to change this nation, especially this bunch we got right now that hate each other. I've been a pastor for so many years. When I hit that hot button, I feel it. I feel it. It's like a ping pong ball coming back at me. Because your secret sin is about to be revealed. The pet one, the one you don't want nobody to mention or talk about. Brother Ben, are you calling me a sinner? No. 
you may be, well, I started to say perfect, but that would, that's not so. Mike's close, but he's just not there yet. I can tell you. Remember a little boy who was told not to go swimming after school? Dangerous snakes in that old swimming hole. Some kid had already gotten bit by a water moccasin, almost died. But they kept going. Kids ain't got no sense. Amen. I know I was one. Told him, you do not go swimming after school. You do not go down to that swimming hole. So his daddy... Saw his son was late coming home from school. He decided to drive by the swimming hole on the way to the school. There's about eight of them in there. He saw his son. He honked the horn. His son come running out. And he had on a pair of swimming trunks. He put the swimming trunks on under his pants. Because he knew he was going to go to swimming. And his daddy said, I thought I told you to stay out of that pool. He said, well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go in there. I really wanted to do what you told me. I, I didn't intend to go in there. He said, well, why are you wearing swimming trunks? He said, just in case I was tempted. That's an honest young man. Just in case I was tempted, I wanted to be prepared to what? Give in to the temptation. You know what the gospel of the kingdom is for? To help us not to give in to temptation. Not to keep letting sin reign in our mortal body to fulfill it in the lust thereof. When Jesus starts reigning, you can't have two kings reigning. Only one can reign. And you've got to serve somebody. And a choice has to be made. And here it is. This is how the power shifted from God and allowed Satan the influence that he gained in this world. God never gave it to him. God never gave it to him. Adam gave it to him. Eve gave it to him. You want to know how it transferred? You can eat of every tree. Everything here, I made it just for you. Except this one. You can't eat of that tree. You must never eat of that tree. And what did Satan say? Did God say you couldn't eat of that tree? Oh, he's holding out on you. He's holding back. And the woman saw it was good to look at. And it was pleasant to the taste. And it would make you wise. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Adam, of course, come along and said, Whoa, Eve, what, you, what are you eating? And we call it an apple. We don't know what the fruit of the tree was, but we know who the serpent was, and we know what the purpose was. Amen. And he came, and, and of course, he said, she said, Taste it. God said we'd die. Well, he said, We won't surely die. See, it's always about God's rule. It's always about God's rule. You know what rebellion is like? See, we don't categorize it. That, that's why we tolerate it in our own flesh without dealing with it. The Old Testament said rebellion against God in your heart and mine. 
is as the sin of witchcraft. And haughtiness, that stubbornness against God is like idolatry. How did it become idolatry to be stubborn against God? Because you are bowing to another. In that rebellion and stubbornness, you're not just loving the world and trying to like God. No, you're loving the world and hating God. Something in your life is more important than His Word, His will, and His worth. Christ isn't worth obeying. I want the free ticket to heaven, but it's not worth it to be ostracized by my friends. My friends are more important than what he did on the cross. Fitting in with the crowd where I work is more important than following Christ and maybe having an opportunity to lead someone else to him. That's not the gospel of the kingdom. When his kingdom comes in you, he reigns in undisputed authority. And so today we have a cheap grace and a salvation obtained without changing masters. You'll never have revival in a church full of sinners. Unrepentant. Living the lie. The disconcerting thing to me again as I close. Many, and these got to be church-going people that have been told they're okay. Never being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Never determining who their master is going to be. Many will say to me in that day, this is a whole lot of people, and they got to be church people. You know why? Because what are they saying to him? Lord, Lord, indicating that, that they have allowed his kingdom rule in their life. Lord! Lord! And here's what Jesus says. Two things he says about that. Number one, why callest thou me? Not in the same scripture, but in the scriptures. Why callest thou me, Lord, Lord? And do not what I say. How can I be your master when you won't obey me? You can't claim that. That's the virgins without oil in their lamp. Assuming that it's enough just to have a vessel with no oil in it. A profession without a possession of Christ. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord. So if, if not doing what he says indicates he's not their Lord, then obedience is the confirmation that salvation has occurred. I don't mean sinlessly perfectness. I mean a heart to obey instead of a rebel heart that continues to push back against everything God says that we need to deal with. Don't push back. Run to Him with your weaknesses, your habits, and your hang-ups. He loves you. He wants to forgive you and restore you and give you victory over that thing. Let not sin reign 
Let it not be the rule of your life, the primary influence in your mortal body to fulfill it and the lust thereof. For every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Sins when it's conceived bring forth death. Sins when it's conceived, temptation. Anyway, the conception occurs when we begin to just give in and go along. I've been a pastor for so many years. I've seen so many lives shipwrecked, homes shipwrecked, and so many preachers fail. So many preachers fail. So many preachers fail. And I hear this, and it's dead wrong. And I want to clarify it before I close. Well, he was doing such a great work for the Lord, the devil. Oh, wait a minute. You mean that I am going to probably do my wife wrong and be caught in the no-tell motel if God gives me more influence in ministry because then the devil's going to get serious about defeating me? Seriously? You're going to tell me it's because of my... It's not my weak flesh. It's not my giving in to temptation. I'm resolved of responsibility because you, you think that you got me on such a pedestal. No, if you sin, you made a choice. If I sin, I make a choice. It's not because the devil is greater. There's a greater one in me than he that's in the world. I had to give in. I had to take the bait. I have to own it. I have to take responsibility. And if I repent, I can be restored. Thank God for repentance that brings restoration. But thank God for victory so you can keep your marriage together and your ministry pure. Hallelujah. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said thank God for repentance and restoration. But thank God for a victory provided that you don't have to lose. Satan doesn't have to win. Sin does not have to reign. Because Jesus came with an anointing that is specific to setting the captive free. Setting at liberty those, number one, setting those that sin is bound free and setting those that sin has bruised free from the harmful effects of it. Amen. And opening... The eyes of the blind do not think about physical blindness. That's, he did that. But his, he didn't come to just heal the sick. And opening the blind eyes in the context of sin and what it does to people. What did they do to Samson? i got a clothes. What did they do to Samson? What did they do when, when he compromised? What's the first thing they did after they tied him up and he couldn't break the bonds? After they bound him... They took a spear tip and they plucked out his eyes. But before they plucked them out, Satan had already blinded him. Standing outside of the sin he was in, sin is so binding and so blinding. There's this woman, and the Bible said that he, see, he fell in love. He fell in love with her. It wasn't just lust with her. He fell in love with her. He, he was already compromising and giving in to his lust when he slept with a prostitute in a the city. They surrounded the city and blocked the gate so he couldn't get out so they could come and get him. He got up the next morning after laying with the prostitute all night long. Got up the next morning, the Spirit of God come on him. 
gifts and calling without repentance, God is slow to pull that back. But He zoomed it would always be there. He went up, grabbed a hold of the gates, took them off the hinges. Battering rams couldn't open those gates. Armies couldn't beat them down, but He pulled them off and threw them down. But when He met Delilah, she got His heart. He had power on him, but he had no commitment to follow his God. That's the difference in the charismata. And that's why tongue-talking people with all that power are as susceptible as anybody else. And they forget about their personal walk. He came to open the eyes of the blind. Don't think of Bartimaeus now. Think of those that are blind to their lost condition. Blind to their need for a Savior. He came to bring light into that dark place in the human spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the God of this world has done what to everybody in it? Blinded the eyes. There's spiritual understanding. There's spiritual revelation. He's blinded. He's blinded the minds of men. Lest they would what? See the glory of the gospel. See just what is offered to them. And what is the alternative to them. To the gospel of the kingdom of God. And be saved. If they could see it. Like Jesus told the woman at the well. If you knew who it was that said give me to drink if you understood who you're talking to right now you would ask of me and I'd give you living water and you'd never thirst again and she saw it and said Lord give me this water Samson is blind and they mock him and by mocking him they mock his God standing outside of this scenario Samson are you that dumb? Watching people come to church, hear the gospel, be baptized in water, and go right out and eat that vomit again. Go back to that same crowd and that same sin. Makes me sick to heart. I'll never not feel it deep in my soul. I have to keep preaching to others, hoping somebody will follow through. And somebody won't go back. What is the warning of Scripture? It's so simplistic. Remember Lot's wife. She was out of the city of destruction. Judgment was about to fall. But her heart never left. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your pet sin is right now under God's scrutiny, and so is mine. There were sins that I hated to give up. I wanted to give them up. But in my personal private time, I missed the indulgence of my flesh in that area when I got saved. And I remember driving down the road, and I didn't know. Nobody taught me how to overcome temptation. But that, I thought, I've been delivered from that. Why is the pull so strong to go back to that? Well, because your flesh is still your flesh. And you're never delivered from your flesh. If you want to be delivered from your flesh, you're going to die and go to heaven. Your spirit's going to leave your body. But as long as you're in this body, you've got to deal with it. And I remember the pull so strong, it scared me. Because I thought, now that I'm saved, I won't have to deal with that area of temptation anymore. Oh, it, was, it's, it came strong on me. 
And I thought, Lord, where did this come from? I had to learn. God had to teach me. My pastor failed, so he couldn't teach me. And he was highly anointed. He preached under a heavy anointing. But he was led away of his own lust. Anointed people get in danger sometimes because they lose a, health, lose a healthy introspect. They don't pray the David prayer before he failed. Search me. I killed a giant, but another giant killed me, almost killed me, and it was a giant of lust. It won. This spiritual giant beat me. Thank God for repentance and restoration, but I lost the battle. Samson could kill a thousand men under the anointing, but he couldn't recognize the trap that was set by the devil, and he couldn't contain his own desires. And he, be, he fell in love with this woman, not just in lust with her, because it wasn't that first harlot. It was Delilah. And he laid his head in her lap. He did that. And she said, if you love me, you'll tell me the source of your strength. And so he lied to her. He said, they've been using rope that's already been used, cords that are dried out. He didn't tell her. It was the supernatural. It don't matter if it's chains of iron. Spirit of God, come on me. They're going to break. See, God will give you victory if you won't compromise. Amen? Bind me with green cords, new cords, and I'll be just like any other man. I won't be able to break them. And he wakes up bound with green cords. And you say, Samson, how did they know to do that? You told her, she told them. This is a trap, son. It's time to go home. Back to God and back to Israel. It's time to pack up. Amen? He does another one of those deals lying. Wakes up with the same thing. And she says, Samson, quit lying to me if you love me. See, the world wants your heart. Satan wants your affection to the things of this world and not the things of God's kingdom or God's king. My hair is my covenant. If I were to ever or anyone would ever cut my hair, I'd be like any other man. There's a Nazarite vow here. If I break it, I lose that anointing. And he woke up with his head shorn. And he was bound. And he did as at other times. He was used to victory. But he couldn't break them. And they came and they plucked out his eyes. And to make light of God and him, they took God's champion to the temple and had him like an ox pushing a great stone round and round to grind corn. And if you don't think sin has consequences, and if you think the anointing 
And all that power through the Holy Spirit is more important than a devoted, committed life to Christ to overcome the devil. You're in trouble. You're the candidate for failure. You're the candidate for falling. And Samson is taken there every day and his hair began to grow. You know why God wanted to restore power to him? To vindicate his own name that had been drug in the mud through the man's misrepresentation. And as his hair began to grow, he felt it in his body. That anointing began to come back on him. He said, son... To a young man watching him. They all mocked him, spit on him. He's he's grinding. He said, Son, this must be a great temple. I can tell by the echo of the voices, this is a great temple here, isn't it? It must be big pillars holding this stone edifice up. Could you set me between two of them and just let me feel how big they are? And the boy led him over to those pillars and let him put his hands on them. But he prayed the wrong prayer under the anointing. The flesh still, still, still was going to win something over God's champion. Do you know what his prayer was? Here's what it should have been. Lord, I've failed you. I brought a reproach on your name. I was once your champion and now I'm like a beast. But Lord, if you will strengthen me one more time. If you will let me sense your presence and power one more time, I will be, I will bring glory to your name. I will bring honor to your name. I'm sorry I sinned and fell into the trap. It's on me. David repented and God let him live out his days and, and become a great king. A king that so glorified God when they knew Jesus was in the earthly lineage of David, they honored him by calling him son of David. And David messed up worse than Samson. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But he was restored because he repented. But listen to Samson's prayer. Strengthen me one more time, not to avenge them for your name's sake or your glory, but to avenge them for my eyes. I want to get them back for Listen. They wouldn't have touched his eyes if he wasn't laying his head in Delilah's lap, compromising his anointing. Can you say amen? They couldn't have touched that man of God. Sunday school, we got him up there as a champion. No one is looking deeper. When you grow up, you need to look deeper. You need to look deeper than your little Sunday school lesson. Can you say, man, if you're going to defeat the devil as an adult, you're going to have to get beyond. Oh, Samson's got power and David slays giants. The giant of lust took David right down, almost killed him. Turned him into a murderer and a liar. And without the grace of God through true repentance, amen, he would have went down in history as, as a royal failure instead of a great king, the sweet psalmist of Israel. How are the mighty fallen? How are the mighty fallen? It's as if they had not been anointed. You can bypass, circumvent the anointing through compromise and sin. And since that message is no longer palatable, 
it's no longer preached. And so people don't want to deal with sin. Sins of omission and commission, we just let it go. I still talk in tongues. I prophesied Sunday, see, I'm okay. That don't prove nothing. That don't prove anything. And Satan is shipwrecking souls. And he don't care if you're in a pulpit, if you got on a backward collar or an Armani suit. It don't matter if you're on television. It don't matter if you're pastor of a mega church. They're still falling, falling, falling. Healing minister caught doing 100 miles an hour in his Mercedes with an open container, alcohol over the limit. talking every Sunday to us about the power of God and yet there's not enough power of God for him to say no to booze he can't find the peace that he's preaching and proclaiming without getting inebriated he pleads no contest because he don't want it to go any further in the papers than it already did pastor of a mega church in Atlanta having sexual liaisons with young men. Settles out of court. Tells his congregation, you're going to see David and the giant replayed. In other words, I'm going to go to court and vindicate myself. Got closer to court date. Paid off the accusers. And the people kept coming to church and supporting the ministry. Begin to lose weight, proclaimed, God is going to heal me, dies a relatively young man. Satan's traps are for real. I feel this so strong today. I feel this so strong today. The four-letter word slipped and said will not get you into trouble anymore hardly. But the three-letter word will. You dare stand up and call sin, sin, and call sinners to repentance so God can restore them and help them. They will run from your church because there's one down the street that you'll never be convicted in. You will never sense Holy Spirit conviction. Amen. You can keep your pet sin, your secret sin, even though it's going to harm you and hurt you. So I would go out in the parking lot after work when I was bivocational, and people would say, can I do this, and can I do that, or should I do this, and should I do that? One of them was alcohol. doctor told my son he had his liver almost destroyed. Gave him about six months to live. He said, young man, told him, number one, God has delivered you by touching you because this don't get better. This only gets worse. He said, you can't even have a glass of wine with your dinner. And it's not because that one glass of wine would damage the liver that much further. It was because that one glass of wine will not stay that one glass of wine. 
That's how addiction works. I had a man, a preacher. He came on a radio broadcast with me down in Pinellas County, and I ministered on the radio. He ministered, and we were coming back together, praying for revival in the Tampa Bay area. I said, let's go into uh, Red Lobster and get some lunch because I like their popcorn shrimp. I like to dip it in ketchup. It's about time to eat. I see Sister Cristello saying, <laughs> and I see you saying, Amen and Amen. But you know what? He said, Preacher, I want to tell you something. He said, God delivered me from alcohol addiction, but I just can't be around it. And I thought, well, if you're delivered from it, you don't have to worry about being around it. See, the problem is the flesh is still the flesh. And we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And if that's your weak area, then, then maybe you ought not be where people are drinking all around you at the table. Oh, yeah, they're just having a drink. They're having a drink at the bar. But it's that drink was his area. Amen. And I thought, okay. I saw it. I said, no, I don't disrespect him for that. I, he's a wise man. Th- this is what hooked me. This is what got me. Amen. And I don't want to get hooked again. I'm a wise fish. I ain't taking that bait no more. I'm, I'm drawn to it, and the devil knows that's my area. And, and I, oh, yes, I believe there's a place in God. My son, before he went back, he said, I could walk, when God delivered me from alcohol addiction, I could walk down the liquor aisle in the Publix or the Winn-Dixie, walk right between it, and never have a temptation. But when he got under pressure and couldn't find God's peace, when he hadn't got established in the Lord, when he hadn't got rooted and built up in Jesus, amen, he chose to go back to that. That was his only comfort, his only salve to put on the brokenness in his life because he never got in church. He never got under the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, you stay out of church, you stay out from under the anointed Word, you will not have victory. You're not that strong and neither am I. If I hear a good sermon, I'm on my way to an appointment and i got 30 minutes to spare and I will pull over. If something's because t- it's hard to find, that's why I pull over. Oh, there's a lot of sermons out there, but when something is talking to me, brother, remember you mean God talks to you? Yeah, He does, and He talks to me through preachers too, because if they're preaching the Word, the Word's for me too. It's for everybody. I've been known to pull over. And I can't get people to understand the value of that. I pull over and I want to hear the rest of it. Praise God. And if I don't get to hear the rest of it, I'll go to the website where it's on the website and listen to it when I get home. I said, that is helping me. That is helping me. That is, that's not hurting me. I'm challenged by this. I want to get closer to God. I don't want to live loose in a way. I want to live close to Him. That's where safety is. Will you stand your feet today? I've kept you too long. I'm tired too, believe me. But I'm under the anointing, so I can't feel it till I get home. When I get home, I'll feel it. But right now, right now, somebody in this room, somebody in this room, God is talking to you. 
Please don't change churches. I've seen that. I'll go to a church where I'm not convicted. Conviction isn't to hurt you. It's to help you. It's to keep you from the devil's traps in your life. It's to keep you from the spirit of addiction. It's to keep you from sin's dread sway. Hallelujah. 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 It's to keep you from backsliding. There are people whose main sin, it's not one of those fleshly things that we would normally think of. It's just not putting the kingdom first anymore. The kingdom is no longer first. It's no longer first. It is not the priority any longer. God's house, God's word, and God's people are secondary. Something in this world is more important. And that's the something that the devil's using as the bait. And your flesh is hungry all the time. I'm going to ask this question as we close. I've taken a long time. I can't change me to accommodate you or people outside this building that won't come inside this building. I will not quit preaching on sin that's trying to hurt you. When God gives me this message, I will deliver it to my hurt. I will take the scowls. I will take the hard looks. I will take your not coming to church because you don't want to be convicted. I'll take it with a broken heart, but I will take it because I'm the servant of the Lord and I account for your soul. And if you miss heaven, if you miss heaven, your blood won't be on my hands. I couldn't stand the thought that I didn't tell you something so critical and you missed heaven. Most of you would not be here if I wasn't a truth teller. You're not here for the amenities. You're not here for the prestige. You're not here for the programs. You're here for the truth that can set you free. And that's why the anointing comes so strong because you come for it. And God pours it out on you. He loves to pour truth into people with a heart for it. Can you say, man, I could get away with a sermonette in a church of a thousand. I could preach for 20 minutes and everybody go home on time because God's not pouring it out because there's no heart for truth. But you get a heart for truth, you're asking for it. <laughs> Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Like my sister in the back about Bible study said, I want some more. <laughs> Can you? Amen. I've always remembered that. And I've told it to other preachers. I said, I said I'm not worried about quitting on time. A lot of my people want some more. Listen, all them people saying amen, all the rest of you saying, hush up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love you today. How many know I love you? And I want to see you in victory. I don't want to see you miss God. Hallelujah. I, how many know I want to see you delivered and set free? Praise 
God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord of hosts. Father, we love you. We love you. We praise you. Let's just give him praise before we go home. If you have to leave, go ahead.